0: First time, long time, 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 first time, long time,
1: time, long time. Hey there, sports fans! First time, long time, the Metropolitans are not in the playoffs, but we have a special treat today. That we do. You know,
2: we've started this thing in the offseason. We're going to try to talk to, uh, you know, some Mets players, some old Mets players, some Mets managers, some Mets vendors. If we could get Cowbell Man on the show, that would be phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it's going to be like a little interview series since we can't tell you about the upcoming games and whatnot and all that stuff. Uh, you know, we're because we're not in the playoffs anymore. Thanks a lot, Connor Gillespie. Uh, so anyway, we got our first interview, a real big fish tremendous guy old Mets manager the man the myth the legend Bobby Valentine
1: Bobby thanks so much for joining us uh first things first what's it like being the athletic director up there at Sacred Heart
0: well uh,
1: I don't know it's kind of my charity work so you know
0: I'll, I'll do it as long as I want to do it I guess
1: yeah you, you've done such a good job upgrading the facilities there and uh both men's and women's athletics have done so well. How you know what is it like being back in uh, your home state where you grew up and had so much success? Well, you know, I've lived here a long time, and Sacred Heart really
0: wasn't any part of my past. So it's, it's kind of all new and exciting for me. Good people up there, great teams. Uh, you know, eight hundred Division One athletes. We have uh, eighteen Division One women's sports and fourteen male sports, and. You know, it's quite invigorating when when I'm around. Luckily, I have a really good staff of uh, senior advisors who, uh, you know, get all of the work done and, and deal with the compliance issues and the scheduling issues. And uh, they allow me to come in once in a while and uh, take credit for all the great work they do.
2: That's awesome. And you know, obviously, you're known for your time uh, in many places, but for us. We knew you as manager of the Mets. You're one of the most popular managers, I'd say, in Mets history. Uh, do you do you keep track of this team? And you know, what would you prescribe this off season? Would you want to keep Cespedes? What do you think about the catching situation and Jay Bruce? You know, what are your thoughts?
0: Wow, a lot of questions right there. Huh? <laughs> I, I do follow the team a bit. I'm, I'm a Mets fan, and you know, I do SMY once in a while, so I try to keep as current as I can. Um, you know, they've had an amazing way about uh, them without a real team identity for the last couple of years to uh, put people out on the field who, who have uh, excelled and done a good job. And, and I have, I have a really tough time putting my finger on the pulse of the team to figure out who exactly the team is. So, you know, my hat's off to the guys who, who do that there. And, and, um, you know, keep a good product out on the field. Because, you know, when, when you think of what you thought the team was in, in April or even the, what you thought the team was in July of either of the last two years, um, it it turned out to be something totally different by the end of the season.
1: Yeah, definitely, Bobby. And one thing that's always fascinated about, about you is you had so much success both in Japan and here in the States. Really the only guy to, to be so successful in both places what was the the biggest difference between managing the players over in Japan and, and managing the players here in the states?
0: The biggest
1: difference. Um, I'm not sure there's really a difference with
0: you know with all the players. To think that all the players here in the states were one type of player, or that all the players in Japan were one type of player, uh, you know, is is really a um, misconception you know they're they're all kinds of individuals whether they're on this side of the pond or the other side of the pond and when you get them together and you try to get them to uh, click and have fun and and uh, be as good as they can be it it takes a lot of luck and it takes a lot of work and um, I think it was the same amount of work on both sides of the of the pond
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Uh, you know, and as your your time with the Mets, I got to ask everyone, you know, Mike Piazza's uh, number was retired this summer by the Mets, and obviously he was enshrined in the the Baseball Hall of Fame. When he got to New York, I mean, what was the react? Were the players even as excited as the fans? Because I know, you know, personally, uh, I was over the moon, and it felt like the team had an entirely different complexion. Were, were, you know, was the, the roster jumping for joy?
0: Well, once again, uh, I, I wish that the roster was just one heartbeat, but, uh, you know, it's many, it's many different guys and, you know, some of the guys uh, thought it was great. Some of the guys thought it was lousy, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Todd Hundley wasn't really excited about it. I guarantee you that. And, um, you know, there were a lot of guys in Todd's camp that weren't that excited about it. So, um, I'd say that it was a work in progress and, uh, because Mike was who he was, and um, he was the the kind of player that he was, um, it, it made everything um, end well. That um, you know, all, all was well. That ended well.
1: Yeah, and Bobby. You so guys- you
0: remember, you guys, if you're big Met fans, you know the fans didn't really receive Mike that well uh, at the beginning. I mean, there were there were boos and and jeers, and uh, there were lousy articles and. And good articles in the newspapers and talk radio had different opinions about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, growing you know, up, everything takes a little time. And when you look back at it, uh, you, you know, and you know what what happened, um, it's it's easy to make it seem like it was just the, the greatest thing that ever happened. But there was a lot of work that that uh, it took for that to come, you know, to, to get to where it finally got. No,
2: absolutely. I remember growing up. I mean, my my favorite player was Todd Hundley prior to the trade. Um, wow. You know, so yeah, it was it was uh, a yeah. it was incredibly
0: difficult. Uh, How could it not be? He set a he set a home run record for catchers. You know, he <clears throat> he was uh, living in the in the community. I mean, Todd was spectacular for the New York Mets.
2: Oh uh, yeah, he was an old school player. You know, he he had the uh, the dip. He was hitting home runs from both sides of the plate. It was just. He was, uh, he was the quintessential ball player for sure. Um, you know, uh, who was your favorite player to manage in New York? If you had to pick one,
0: mm, I couldn't pick one. I wish I could, but you know, seven years and, uh, you know, a hundred players or so to think that there was just one favorite, uh, would, would be really, um, an injustice. Most of the guys were, I thought spectacular people and, uh, a lot of them were really good players too. So you know, I I was really lucky to have you know the likes of uh, Ventura and Olerud and Alfonso and Acbati and Reed and and the list goes on. You know, Johnny Franco. I mean, how the heck do you beat him? How do you how do you get better than Al Leiter? So you know, there there are a lot of great guys on those teams.
1: Yeah, I think some of those teams were incredible, and especially having that infield defense. I. I remember the famous Sports Illustrated cover when they had the best infield ever. What was it like knowing that every day, going out there as a manager, you had such an advantage with the infield defense?
0: Well, in '99, there was a defense of Olaroot and Alfonso and Ventura and Ordóñez, and um, uh, you know I was happy to put those guys in the lineup every day. But our pitchers were even happier; Uh, they they were terrific. they could catch it if it was in the air. They could catch it on the ground. And, and the the best news of all is John Olerud could catch it, whether it was in the dirt, whether it was high, whether it was a left or to the right. He, he had more range at the bag than I think anybody who's ever played the game.
2: Yeah, John Olerud was an incredible player. Uh, do you know, was it true that Ricky Henderson didn't know his name or is that, is that just uh, a myth at this point? because i know they they played together a little bit oh i mess. think it's all
0: yeah it's it's all, it's all That that idea about um him meeting him when he had the helmet and saying um you know i played with someone who wore a helmet uh, last year that that was made up by um scott lawrenceon actually our trainer and um he just he just came out to the cage and and made it up when he heard that ricky got through to oakland no i mean to seattle um no, he didn't even get traded. I think he, he was released. He was sitting in Arizona in Seattle, decided to sign him. And before he even got to Seattle, uh, Scotty make made that story up. We all laughed around the cage. And some sports writer was there and actually wrote it as though it was true. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he didn't take we... the time to, to figure out that Ricky hadn't even gotten to Seattle yet. Unbelievable. That's,
2: uh, and here we are, uh, you know, uh, maybe, oh, close to 20 years later, and it's still flying around up for, uh, up for debate. I'm glad we put that to bed. Yeah, there's,
1: yeah, there's no debate. That never happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and yeah. Bobby, you know, one thing, when you, were, when you were coming up in Connecticut, you were an unbelievable football player recruited by some of the biggest football schools in the country. You know, what was it like for you to choose baseball over football and, and really what went, went into that decision?
0: Well, I'd like to think that a lot went into the decision, but it was really an emotional decision. Uh, I had already decided to play football and baseball at the University of Southern California. I signed the letter in the tent, I did all the hoopla, and then about uh, two weeks later, I got drafted number one by the Dodgers, and uh, the Dodgers gave me the full-court press, just like... uh, Rod Dato, the baseball coach at USC, and John McKay, the football coach at USC, uh, had done two weeks previously. And I think the Dodgers' full-court press, because it had uh, you know, a mon- some money uh, <laughs> added to it, the $65,000 signing bonus, I think uh, that and the line that uh, I was going to get to play against the best professional players in-, in the world instead of just the best amateur players in the Pac-8. Uh, kind of closed the deal.
1: That's great. It makes a ton of sense. You made the right choice.
0: I don't know. I think I may, made the right choice, but it was a tough one, and it was, um, you know, there was a lot of emotion during during those two weeks of my life. Yeah, fo- mm. football's tough. Luckily, I, mean- I got to play for the great Tommy Lasorda. I went out to Ogden, Utah, where I got to uh, meet meet Tommy again. I had met him when I was on a recruiting trip out to USC for the first time. And now I got off the plane and he was there to meet me as uh, my rookie league manager. And, and that was the good news in my life. And um, as we all know, Tommy's not doing that well. I'm watching a Dodger game right now. I'm hoping to see his face um, on the game because uh, he's been in the hospital the last couple of weeks. And the doctor told me today he was going to try to get him out of the hospital and get him to a Dodger game. And I, I hope that all, uh, worked out today that'd be great would you be pulling for
2: the dodgers uh in the series if they if they matched up against the uh indians or blue jays
0: yeah yeah uh i i pull for the dodgers i have a friend who's one of the the owners and i pull for the blue jays too because i have uh my best friend's son is uh a vice president with the team and you know i pull for the cubs a little because of the sentimental value uh that's attached, and I pull for Cleveland because they're not supposed to win. But uh, I'm a little more personally involved with um, the Rays and the Dodgers. I tell yeah.
1: you, I tell you, Bobby, that's that's great. Uh, won't take too much of your time. Uh, thrilled to have you on. Love the work that you're doing up there at Sacred Heart, and uh, you know we'd love Thanks, to, guys. We'd, we'd love to have you back down here one day, uh, <laughs> maybe managing the team. So.
0: Well, I I appreciate what you guys do, and uh, I think the Mets are going to be a good team for quite a while because uh, they don't even need their best players on the field to um, you know get through a season, and that's that's a, says a lot for uh, the inner makings of that team.
2: You're right, Bobby. And, and one more quick thing before we go: Were Yankee fans while you were managing were they as obnoxious to you guys as they seemed seem to the to <laughs> Mets fans? <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I thought that the Yankee fans were—I um, didn't think they were obnoxious. I, there were a couple days they were not obnoxious. I remember bringing some, a few nuns to the uh, Subway Series, uh, you know, interleague games to kind of combat Joe Torre's sister being there with her friends, and uh, <laughs> they were—they were a little rude that night. Um, they yelled out the piazza that they were going to. Moved to Montana because they heard there were only uh, 3% Catholic in the entire state. And with that, one of my friends, who was uh, a nun at the time, turned around and said, why don't you both move to hell? I heard there's no Catholic <laughs> there. So, you know, they are a little obnoxious that night, I guess. <laughs>
2: hey, that's, that's par for the course of Yankee fans. But, uh, but Bobby, thanks so much again. And uh, have a great one. Enjoy the rest of the game. Continued success with
1: your podcast, guys. Good job. Good being with you. Take care.
2: Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, Bobby. Wow, and how great was that? All credit to Bobby. All credit to the Sacred Heart Athletic Program. He's, he's really doing a tremendous job up there. You do some research on that. They've done a great job. Bobby could not be a nicer guy. We're so thrilled to have him on the show. And, and what do you think?
2: I mean, unbelievable story debunking the old rude myth because I've been telling that story at bars now for, uh, between 10 and 15 years. So, uh, real weird now that I have to go tell everybody that, uh, that's a fake story, but you know, we got the, I think we got the scoop on that. That's, uh, that's a little reporting from first time, long time. And, uh, you know, some, some great stories, some great times, and hopefully we could have, uh, the man back on the show once again soon, uh, in, in the future. That was a great sentence. I really put it together there. But anyway, I'm just emotional. We will talk to you guys next week when our guests will be question mark. Wait for it. uh, But don't worry. We'll have someone for you. Talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, hey, fellas. This is Chris from New Hyde Park. First time, long time.
2: Hi, this is Bob from Greenpoint. First time, long time. here.
0: Hey guys, this is Audi Bevilacqua from Hapog, first time, long time.